Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello there. Hello, welcome to the Parting the Atlantic, episode 10, double digits, woo! Finally, it only took us like a year, yay! I mean, that's like almost one episode a month. (laughs) That's not very encouraging. (laughs) That was kind of our goal, though, to do it once a month, so maybe if we keep doing it more frequently. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it maybe it was like twice a month, but then it was definitely once a month. All I will say is I now want to do two bonus episodes so we can actually get it to every once a month. Yeah, when do we start parting the Atlantic? I have no idea. I don't know if it was right away, but I don't know. Anyway. We'll just record some bonus episodes. Okay, there it is. We there. did the Patreon episode. So technically this is number 12, number 11. 10.5 maybe. Yeah. Well, today we've got... Genesis 17 and 18 for you all. Oh, yeah. These are some... uh, I think you can make the argument that this is where the Old Testament... I I guess just Genesis, kind of where the Old Testament really starts becoming the Old Testament. And, you know, I I, I guess we had Noah's Ark in Genesis. But, you know, and... There's Tower uh, of Babel as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. The more I think about it, the more that, well, I'm getting confused in my mind. But there's so many genealogies up to this point that I think this is where you really start to just kind of hammer all of the stories that people really know and where we get a clearer and clearer picture of who God is. Um, Well, we have the first, like, covenant that God makes, you know, with Abraham. Yeah. And then sort of the covenant like keeps expanding from there. Like it's just Abraham and then it's Moses, right? After this. Well, Moses is Exodus. We have to finish Genesis first. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm talking about the covenants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's Abraham. So like, because Abraham, God promised Abraham his descendancy and then it's, um, you know, Moses is like... I'll let y'all out of slavery. And then after that, I think it's... I think there's someone before Joseph, but then it's... Is it Joshua and then Joseph? There's someone before Joseph. But we get to Joseph eventually through the end of Exodus. Yeah, but I'm talking about the explicit covenants. Like, God doesn't make individual covenants with all of those individuals. Okay. (laughs) We... We can get to that one. I'm pretty sure it's Abraham and then Moses and then like yeah. yeah. It expands out from there. Yeah. The covenant that that God makes though with Abraham, I I think it's pretty interesting. I, I remember my freshman year of college, my very first freshman seminar that I took with a professor in uh, Jewish studies at the time. Um and the covenant for one of the 
big things that we touched on that I think was one of the most surprising things to me. And it wasn't something that I thought about it, but she pretty much said like, you know, everyone looks at this and it just kind of thinks, you know, the entirety of the Bible is just people serving God. But especially when you look at the Old Testament, it's really reciprocal. You know, it, 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 yes, everyone is serving God, but at the same time, God is promising things to everyone else just as much as everyone is promising, promising things to God. So it's a lot more, um, it's, it's, it's a lot more like, you know, you're just kind of dealing with two people that are saying, okay, I'll do this for you if you do that for me and just kind of saying, cool, let's, 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 let's make it work. Which I think is really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of other factors at play, though, like that the, there's a different level of there's the power dynamic for sure, right? And there's that kind of like almost like fear of God sort of element that comes in um, that I think puts a little bit of a pin in the reciprocity. But I get what you mean because. Like, even in Jonah, what we read last time, like, it's a lot about God, like, providing these kind of, like, teachable lessons to Jonah, but in a dialogue, not in a one-sided conversation. And he's willing to, like, accept input from Jonah, just as he is from um, Abraham later in this chapter 18, when Abraham goes to God and is like, don't kill everybody. Yeah. What if there's 10 righteous people? And God's yeah. like, you're right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the more of the Bible that I've read, the more surprised I am by just how much there is in the Bible about, like, you know, just people talking to God and getting, like, concrete results from it, you know? Like, I feel like, you know, when whenever I go to church, it's always like, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that, or else you know, you have sinned and you've done this or that. I'm like, yeah. But at the same time, there's so much in the Bible or, you know, like in, we have practical examples of this in, in the Old Testament and I'm sure in the New Testament we'll get eventually to times where Jesus just kind of says like, bro, you, you want something from me? <laughs> just pray about it. You'll be fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. So it's, it's yeah, I, I, I think people don't often realize how much of the Bible there is about just talking to God about things and you know just being like hey you know this is where I am this is what is going on this is what I need and God's like cool I'll work with you here so I think that's really yeah that's definitely a big difference between your church and my church is like my church is a lot about that individual connection and conversation with God and less about here's a list of things to be a good Christian you know it's more about like, here's some like ideas to think about with regard yeah. to religion and with regard to your personal pursuit rather than like, oh, these are the tenets of like a moral person. Um, and I really yeah. like that aspect because it's not something that I can just sit and receive every Sunday. It's something that yeah. I have to like go home with and sit with and like mull over, you know, and sometimes it's very convicting as well. I think like a lot of the like 
more traditional models of church can be very convicting in the sense that you feel guilty or shameful afterwards. But I'm talking about being convicted after church in a way that's more realizing sort of patterns or tendencies within myself. And that's something that I think, you know, from a self-reflection standpoint has been really helpful for me figuring out how to further develop my relationship with God. <clears throat> yeah. Something that, that you and I have talked about a bit is um, as I have gone through my faith journey, I, it's, I, I've been able to, uh, you know, do that same kind of considering and, and developing and like, you know, how do I relate things to God? But yeah, you know, it's less of a thing that was preached in church as that this is how you should approach your personal relationship with God and more of like the, you know, this is what the church is teaching me. This is what I'm seeing in my day-to-day -day life. How do I mesh those together to make a relationship with God that I, that, you know, that, that works for me and that I, I understand and that, you know, like, isn't getting me out of anything at all, but, you know, at the same time, it kind of fits where I am as a person and kind of, you know, the situation I'm in. And, and that has, you know, been the foundation for a lot of my beliefs and that, you know, I've been able to kind of develop those and then to continue to challenge them over time. So, yeah, it's been, you know, good to, to, to have a baseline of like knowing how and where God's present in my life and kind of going from there to evolve, I guess, build the connection. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing this like, there's a call to the individual connection with God, like even starting with Adam. But like, I think now with Abraham, it's also like very clear, right? Like, because God even renames Abraham from Abram to Abraham. And um, in Hebrew, names mean a lot. There's a lot of context and like rich history involved with names. So the fact that God changes Abram's name to Abraham after he built this covenant with him is particularly significant, I found. It's kind of the similar story between Saul Paul later in the Bible, but yeah. you know, there's this very, very important aspect, I think, which is the renaming and this individual sort of call on uh, Abraham's life. Yeah, Abraham has a lot his story has a lot of, I don't want to call them tropes, but a lot of the themes that we see later on in the Bible are all contained in Abraham's story. Not only the renaming, but um, one of the, I think, more famous sections of this uh, story is when three men appear uh, sent by God to, to talk to, to, to Abraham. And, you know, they, they I don't know if God does it before or if it's men they also rename uh, abraham's wife and sarai to sarah and mm -hmm. you know there, there, there's a lot of that imagery of, of god appearing to people in flesh as a person which is something that we'll keep seeing throughout even just genesis um right so it, yeah it, you know it, it's god's really being established in this story god's really like starting to to develop more of God's personality and um I, I you know again besides kind of genesis I think in many ways this story of Abraham is really 
the beginning of God's relationship with the Hebrew people, with the Israelites, uh, the eventual Israelites. Um, it, you know, it, it's the first time that we, you know, we, we, we've seen God kind of working on an individual level with Adam and Eve, with Noah and Noah's family. And we start to be able to see God working not only with, you know, a small group with Abraham and Sarah and uh, their first son Ishmael, but we over time get to see God working with a whole group of people and not only the Hebrews, but with um, the Canaanites, with all of these other people that live in the lands that God has promised. So there'll be a lot to unpack, to unpack, you know, not only with the Hebrews, but with, you know, how God commands the Hebrews, how God tells them to relate to other people. Um, into other groups, but yeah, yeah, it's the story is a great way to for, for you know where God really is starting to become established, and we get to see God in a new light for the first time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, as a sidebar, um, I have some definitions of names if you're curious. Um, Abram means high father or exalted father and abraham means father of multitudes father of nations which makes complete sense because of the 12 nations and then um sariah um is an elaboration of sarah so they're actually pretty similar names um Sariah means something like Prince of the Lord, and Sarah means typically princess or somebody who has to do with the higher Senate. Yeah. But it makes total sense. Yeah, I you know, back to what you said and just how important names are and how important it is to, to signify something. Um, and, you know, it... it, it Again, you know, Penny mentioned Saul and Paul. You know, we see it throughout the Bible of someone going from just a regular dude to someone that is claimed by yeah. God, or someone that you know follows God, or someone that is now moving into a more important role with God. There's really a lot of times there's a big shift there. Um, Not even a regular uh, dude, though. He's like totally evil in the beginning. Yeah. And there is, you're right, that kind of connection of being claimed by God. I think in that vein, um, acts of obedience is something that plays a key role in chapter 17, um, which talks about circumcision, which we probably won't get into a huge amount. But in terms of circumcision, um, I was thinking about how Abraham circumcises not only his whole family and himself, but also his entire household. And when that occurs, it's sort of this, like, he has this conversation of God, and God says, like, look, I'm going to rename you, I'm going to have a covenant, and in return, like, in an act of obedience to me, I want everybody after you, and including you, to be circumcised. Yeah. And it's sort of like this, like, physical marker, you know, of belonging to God. Uh, especially considering like the Bible's um, teachings on the body and how the body is holy. Um, that's a really important aspect that there's this sort of small change to the body that's made. And what else is interesting 
is I was thinking about other acts of obedience to God. And I was wondering like what acts that you could come up with. And mine were baptism as an act of obedience to God. Um, I am from a faith tradition that believes in adult baptisms. So that's obviously very different from somebody who's from a more traditional practice. Um, but as, an, uh, as a person who got baptized as an adult, um, you know, it was a huge, that was one of the main motivators was that it was an act of obedience, an act of sort of almost like reassurance or reclamation in my space, in my faith journey. And then I would also say tithing is an act of obedience to God. Um, it's not only obedience, but it, it's an act of recognition because if like when and if you give your 10% of your increase back to the Lord, then it's an act of recognizing that everything you have belongs to him and comes from him. Yeah. And so it's a big, like, it's a very, uh, it can be a huge posture shift for people. And it certainly is for me. Yeah. What do you think, John? The, the two that also come to, to mind for me, uh, one is, I, I know the Catholic church, going to church in general, the Catholic Church even, you know, basically says you're required to go to church or you need to go to confession, which, you know, for sinning, which I think is a fascinating understanding of what it means to be obedient to God, that you, you know, mm -hmm. not only, you know, do you have to praise God in your daily life, but you have to set this time aside, which yeah. makes make sense, you know, like, like, like I can completely understand why, you know, you would believe that and teach it, but I, you know, at the same, you know, like, it, it, it's interesting to say that this is the way to do it. This is the way to be obedient. Just come to church every week, and if you do that, then great. You know, because I, I can think of plenty of people that are God-loving people that have committed their entire lives to them that can't make it to church every week. I know people that go to church every week that don't act, you know, as, as the, you know, as, as, that, did, you know, don't act within the teaching of the church all the time outside the life so it's a really interesting dynamic i think to know what that implies to go to church and what it signifies right. if and when you do or don't so that's one the other one is confirmation i had a teacher in high school who said that she thought that you should that people should be baptized and confirmed into the church at the same time because when you're baptized it's when you're reborn in God in Christ, you know, you're, you're given your new life in Christ, and then you immediately just join the church, and you, you're committed to live your whole life, which, you know, again, is, from a theological standpoint, makes sense, but, you know, at the same time, as you kind of mentioned, like, I got baptized when I was a few months old, you know, and, and how different would it have been for me if I had been confirmed then as well, versus, you know, being confirmed in eighth grade, and you know, now I actually sit down with some instructors to help introduce concepts about the church, about God, about Jesus, who really helped us dive into the fully God, fully human for the first time. You know, the first place that I really got to, to experience that and, and, and really decide for myself, like, whether I want to commit myself to that, how I want to commit myself to that, and then what my role in that is. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, I have my own opinions on that. You know, I, I 
maybe now is not the you know, the best time considering our time constraints. But I think those are my two, and I you know, I, I think they both have. I think you can make really strong arguments either way for like how to yeah. go ahead with you know how to go to church, when to go to church, and, and then what the dynamic of that is, and then right. when to get confirmed, how to get confirmed, all that kind of thing. I, I think there's a lot there that you could really break down and, and make arguments for. Yeah, I mean, I was never confirmed. Yeah. Like, yeah, my church doesn't do that, so it's a little like I don't. I kind of understand what it means. But I wish I knew more about it. So maybe that's yeah. something we can talk about off show. Um, but in the meantime, like acts of obedience to God, there's a ton of them. You know, even just figuring out ways that you can serve outside of tithing um, with your time, for example, serving people not only in need, but people who have been marginalized or discriminated against. Um, I think all that is super, super important. Um, is there any other like key takeaway or lesson that you got from these last two verses? I mean, you know, the the one thing that I noticed, especially in Genesis uh, 16, is, and I guess in 72, every time that God comes to Abraham before Abraham says anything, the text says that you know Abraham basically drops down and prostrates them, you know, that's, that's, I don't, I don't know the exact language, but that's something along the lines, like, you know, he, he like fell on his face or something to, to worship. And when he sees the three men that God has sent, he immediately recognizes that it's God, which not every character in the Bible does after this, you know, like not, not everyone who encounters God in human form is going to recognize the person that God sent, but yeah, Abraham just immediately notices and is like, "Listen, like whatever you whatever you came here to do, just you know, do it. I'm you know, I'm all ears." So, yeah, you know, it's it, it, you know, and it's it's an interesting dynamic. It's an interesting way of relating to God, and I, you know, I think it can challenge us to really think about you know, what does it mean for me to be obedient to God in that sense? You know, how do I kind of whenever God approaches, you know, and and what form is it appropriate for me to you know prostrate and worship and and relate to god and you know how do i you know again when you know we, we could talk about this with other characters down the road who failed to recognize god at least not in the text you know and we can use the interpretation read between the lines but how do i recognize god in everyday life how do i relate to that how do i fit that into my life how do i fit my life into that narrative like how do those interact so i think that all is really an interesting thing to consider. I agree. Yeah, thank you for that summary. Well, John, thank you for recording with me today. I love you. Oh, yeah. It has been a great time as always. I guess we'll do, uh, we'll do Genesis 19 and 20 next time there. 19 and 20 have some uh, intense intense uh, aspects of it uh, in them so some very so we, we we may need to consider uh whether we'll you know give a little warning at the start before we really dive into it but we can do that and we can also probably give it an hour instead yeah. of half yeah there there'll be a lot to, to get through there yeah sounds good i'm looking forward me too i love you very much
I love you. Bye.